Caroline, thank you so much for taking the time to come on our podcast. This is the very first episode. This is such a special, special episode because you've really just inspired me to build this platform and spotlight other people's voices, stories, especially within the Asian American Pacific Islanders community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And that's so kind of you to say, because I, I was inspired just, you know, working with you and, and learning a little bit about your story and what you want to bring to the world. So thank you. That means a lot. It's mutual. It's mutual. <laughs> so let me start from uh, a little bit early in, in life, right? I want to know what, what were your dreams? Like when you were a child, what did you want to grow up to become? If, if there is anything like that? Yeah, you know, I... The funny thing is, I, I think that we we interact very deeply with our environment. So I, mm. uh, my my parents were refugees from the Vietnam War, and I'm a first generation American. And somehow we ended up when I was a child in rural Texas, very small town, uh, Texas, and it was a very barren landscape. So landscape wise, it was barren, but. I think psychologically, uh, my family life at that time was difficult, but also on a psychological level, it felt very barren and dry of life. So I mm. was very used to a young, from a very young age of living in my imagination. It was the way that I escaped. It was the way that I had a, a sense of agency that I could escape from my immediate environment and, and create something in my mind that was a lot more appealing. So I would say the things that I wanted to do when I was young, unfortunately, were like of these really sort of escapist fantasies. I wanted yeah. to be a pop star. I wanted to be a, a, the youngest writer that was ever published. I, mm -hmm. I remember these two things as being very clear that I somehow wanted to be a musician and I wanted to write a book, but it, it was going to be, I was gonna, it was gonna be a pen name. So it was gonna be a very sort of mysterious, who is this person? It was really a young child. So I, yeah. these fantasies kind of worked out. But yeah, it was always like a creative. I wanted to be, I wanted to be creating. I wanted to be a storytelling. I wanted to be, I remember that as a child, I escaped a lot into music. Mm -hmm. music kind of gave my soul this buoyancy that I didn't otherwise feel in my life. So I wanted to be able to do that for other people. This is kind of like my naive Chinese, my naive sort of childish conception of, of what it meant to be um, a creative, an artist that I could help uplift other people the way that they did for me. I love it when you said living in your imagination and mm -hmm. it's almost, as you say, escapist in direct contrast to the barren Texas uh, yes. environment. You said, how did those two dreams go? The musician, <laughs> the, as you, you know, can see, uh, as you can see, my recording career has not gone very far. I mean, how did they go? Um, you know, I love, I love these questions that you ask because it makes me think that, well, number one, you have to ask, strangely enough, I think like people do these surveys and kids nowadays, they want to be a YouTuber. That's like the first, yeah, that's and, you know, so it's one. very, it's right. It's very interesting that kids just want to be YouTubers. And it's like, oh my goodness, like maybe five decades ago, it was like an astronaut or it was yeah. like something else, but now it's a YouTuber. So the, the environment impacts and interacts with the child's aspirations of what they want to be. But I do wonder, had I grown up in a, in a landscape that was not as barren, would I have wanted to have been a musician? Would I have wanted to have been an artist? Yeah. If I felt that I had that agency and vitality in my real life, would I have had to escape into my, my, my imagination? But I think my point in telling you this is that I never really felt as a child that my interests mattered. Hmm. I, I, I remember having a, a conversation with my parents when it was time for me to join the band. And I think yeah. maybe fifth, sixth grade. And 
I was like shocked. I was like, you know, I'd actually like to play the drums. Mm -hmm. And there was no conversation. My parents like, no, you're going to play the flute. You know, it was like, yeah, there was actually no conversation, you know, so it was a very, when you asked me that question, I appreciated it because I feel like it, it would have meant so much if I had an adult in my life or, or a parent that was saying, well, what are you interested in? And, and, and what do you want to do about that? And, oh, you, you want to be a musician. Do you, do you, would you like to learn how to play the guitar? Would you like how to, there, there were never those questions. It was always mm. relegated to my imagination. Um, and I never really felt that I could explore out of my own agency what I wanted to do. Right. So it, it sounds like in real life, when it comes to extracurricular or like joining a band, you were told to, to play a flute or you couldn't be the drum or something. But in your mind, you, you didn't give up, right? Because you're still dreaming. You have those imagination. Exactly. You, you, yeah. Where did, where, where did those exploration in your mind go? Did they land anywhere? They, they went to sleep. You know, they, they went to sleep. And I, I think... To say that they went to sleep, I don't think that's very unusual. I think, I think people, children, even adults as general, they're used to having dreams that they mm. kind of just tamp down inside of them. Yeah. A dream comes up, a wish comes up, and they say for whatever reason, it's not practical, it's not realistic, it's not going to happen, it goes to sleep. So for me, it went to sleep for a long time. And it, it was only after, uh, you know, I would say quite recently, probably in my late 20s, early 30s, that I was able to look back and tap into these desires that I had and go, hmm, I still very much have this yearning to be creative in some way. And so now it's coming out as a writer. It's coming out as my, as, uh, my desire to, to think about certain questions and to build certain communities. And so that's how I would say that it's come out. Many, many I'm going years. to come back to this point of the, the yearning to become creative and build a community. But before that, I want to understand how the so sixth grade, uh, join a band, play the flute till, uh, what, what happened afterwards? If you could like walk us through the early journey of your life. Uh, you know, again, Charlene, it's, it really is. I, I, I feel like I had a prototypical and, and maybe that's just me generalizing, but you know, my parents, again, being refugees, you know, my dad, he was, he was a doctor in, in Vietnam. When, when they lost the country, he had to come over to America. He had to re-earn um, his law degree. He had to redo his residency. He had to claw his way back, you yeah. know, and we, we had nothing. We literally had nothing. And it was only through the generosity of sponsor families that our family was able to take root here. And I'll always be grateful for that. And I'll always have a deep, deep love for America and its ideals. Mm. Um, but I feel that because of this background where my parents lost everything, they put so much on academic achievement, especially yeah. my mom. And she had a very, very um, concrete idea and vision for what my life was going to look like. So mm -hmm. I, I, didn't, I didn't really feel like I had a lot of agency. So mm -hmm. I knew that I had to play a certain game. I knew that I had to do well in academics. And for me, it wasn't that difficult to do well. So it really felt like I was playing a game. Yeah. I, I really was bored by school. I, mm. I don't know how it was for you, Charlene, but I really was bored. I really felt like- I was bored. I was so bored. I was like, why do you make me do this? But okay, I get it. I have to have straight A's so that my parents approve of me so that I can fit into this family mm. so that I have an identity that I can be proud of. And I did it because mm -hmm. I didn't know how, how else to be, Charlene. I was just- yeah. I was just a young kid. I, I didn't have any other sort of mentor at that time who I could speak to and who could say, you know what, 
you don't have to go that way. You can, you can strike out on your own path. I didn't have that at all in my life. So I would say from very early childhood, probably all the way up until past graduate school, I was really kind of half asleep. I was mm-hmm. really kind of on automatic pilot. Mm-hmm. And I know maybe that sounds kind of really surprising, um, but I, I, I really do think that that's the case. What happened in grad school that woke you up? Um, just a sort of growing dissonance between what, what I'm describing to you as being half asleep, taking yeah. on these narratives, taking on these goals that my parents had imposed upon me. Mm-hmm. And again, just to be very clear, they, they had goals and expectations so that in part, I could have a good life, yeah. right? And I, I know plenty of people that didn't have that, that their parents didn't care where they were, much less what sort of grades they got. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone either. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, what I really appreciate about where your mind goes as a thinker, Charlene, is that you're interested in about these questions about self-development and about how, how our stories shape us and how we might have a better way of raising our children, or even when we get old enough of raising ourselves yeah. so that the stories we take on are empowering and are, and are, um, reflective of our inner agency as creative people. So I, I really appreciate that. But I have to say, no one teaches you this. This is why you and I were bored in school. We were taught reading, writing, arithmetic. <laughs> we thought, oh, this, this is how you can creatively form your life for yourself. This is how you can defend yourself when after you get out of school, you're going to be bombarded by commercial messages, advertisements, people that say, hey, you want to be uh, you want to be 120 pounds and you want to be in perfect shape and you want to have six pack abs. And that's what you want to be mm. when you're told in school. No, you can defend yourself against that. That's the idea that society may have about the person that you want to be. But this is how you really dial into who you are and the path that you want to lead. And you're going to feel a lot of pressure from society that you have to be a certain way, but you don't have to be that way. Yeah, I have there, a theory that let's hear it. Yeah, people in power, those authorities, they want to give us those stories so they can stay empowered or stay mm. in power, right? Mm. Because if everyone has their own agency, want to live their own life, it's going to be quite chaotic. <laughs> you know, there is good chaotic, good energy, but I think people who rule, rule the society, rule the school, wants to have the control so they feel good. Yes. But then that comes at the expense of many other people who didn't know better. Like they didn't know what's a good life, as you said. Like what, what does that, I would love to know what, what, how you see that now, but I think it took me a while to really study the question, what does it mean to live a good life and mm. come to my own terms with that? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's such a good question. Did you, did you ever ask, um, when was the first time that you asked an adult that question? How, how I do actually I know? never asked an adult. I just asked myself because I think I could see their answers from things they said. Like mm. I just kind of implicitly know what they what based on what they said what their advice I kind of mm-hmm. interpret that but mm-hmm. I, I know I wouldn't get a good answer from them because they're not me <laughs> they wouldn't know my answer so yes. it's yes. my obsession to figure out what does it mean to be and I would love to know like what does it mean to live a good life for you oh gosh that's such a good question um for me the good life is it's, it's a paradox, okay? And I, this mm-hmm. is the image This is the image that I have to give you because I, I always give the same image to everyone. Um, imagine a surfer, he's on, he's on the surfboard and he's going through the barrel of a wave, okay? So if you have that image in your mind, yeah. 
for me, living a good life is the dance between two extremes. You, so you have a polarity mm-hmm. and they're both necessary. Mm-hmm. And if you imagine the surfer on the surfboard, on when the, one end of this, the polarity is that the surfer has to be absolutely awake, alive yeah. and alert in yeah. his own will. He has to be completely 100% embodied in his own will. But on the other end of the polarity, the extreme, is that he has to be absolutely surrendered to the will of the wave. Mm-hmm. So it, it is this impossible, but it is possible because you see surfers do it all the time. It is a seemingly impossible polarity and you're having to hold the center, but it's never found for once and done for all time. You're having to dynamically find and shift and move between these two centers of being awake and alive and alert in your will and surrendering to the will of something far greater than you. And if you fail, you're going to wipe out. You fail over here. If you fall asleep for just a moment, you're going to wipe out. Mm. And if for a moment over here, you decide to impose your will on the wave, guess what? You're going to wipe out. So for me, the good life is like that. It is this paradox. It's a complete, it's, it's, it's a mystery. It's surfing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's surfing. And for me, it's like, I, I can never, I can never, um, I'm just surprised by people that have these sort of prosaic visions of what the good life is. Oh, the good life is getting married, getting a house, having 2.5 kids. Like for me, as the good life is this mystery of how do you dance between these two extremities of knowing of having a vision for yourself and keeping to that vision and not falling asleep for a moment, but always, always being awake and surrendering to what the world is trying to show you, which is the wave. Yeah. So it's, it's this ultimate, it's this ultimate flexibility and adaptability. It's a dance. And so this vision of the surfer in water, this flowing mobile medium to me is the good life. Yeah, I, I, I like to see that as play. You know, you, you couldn't get too serious because then you will you will you will want to control the outcome, which you couldn't exactly. control and then you will fall off the board, right? Exactly. And then, but then you also want to be alive, as you say, you want to have the energy so you can really see everything that is presented to you in the life and, and exactly. just enjoy the ride. Really. Yes, yes. And well, it's it to me, it's like I, I I use that analogy and I think it's super important because if you lack this other side, if you just think whatever's going to happen to me is going to happen to me and I'm at the mercy of the world, you're not going to be creative at all. You're going to be that person that's in your pajamas at 2 p.m. You're smoking a bowl. You're, you're completely depressed. And I've been there, you yeah. know, like what it's this, the world. There's nothing I can do about it. I have no control over my fate, but you do, you do have, you do have control. You do have agency in the goals that you set yourself and the values that you have, you have the ability to have a North star and to make steps towards that. But there is a creative give and take with mm-hmm. what comes alive within you and what approaches you from the world. And this How sort of relationship, you- this sort of conversation you have with the world is what I think is often missing in our conception of the good life. How did you come to this realization? Like, how did you, yeah. Decades. I mean, I, I, I've just like years and years of like just going about it the wrong way. Like either mm-hmm. as a child, as I told you, feeling like literally I was always under someone's thumb. No mm-hmm. one cared what I thought. No one, no, it, my opinion didn't matter. What I wanted didn't matter. So at that point I was like, the world is reacting on me. I have no, I have no agency. I have no power. And then from then, just as I, as I, as I grew and I matured, I just, it, it, the, this intuition just came to me of, 
well, what is the creative process really like? Mm-hmm. You know, when you sit down at your computer and you try to write something, what does that really look like on a psychological level? Yeah. And I just was able to extrapolate that to living life in general. Yeah. And how did how do you get into get in touch with your intuition now? Um, God, such a good question. Um, well, I think my spirituality helps. Mm-hmm. I think that I think I think it more than helps. I think it's central. You know, I would say that spirituality and finding my finding my finding the heart of sort of my religious heart, finding, yeah. finding the centrality of that um, has really saved my life. Mm-hmm. And so I have a certain worldview now where I do, of course, have goals. I'm a very goal-oriented person. I'm a very active, passionate person. Yeah. But at the same time, I have faith in a ultimate uh, wisdom, a, a world wisdom that comes at that comes at me from the outside, and that I believe in, and that I have faith in, is far wiser than me. Mm-hmm. And so the the how I get in touch with that is I I simply observe. I'm very, very attentive. Mm-hmm. I'm very attentive to what comes at me from the world. And I always feel that every single person, every single book that I pick up, every single interaction I have is potentially a source of wisdom. Yeah. And if there's something that catches my attention, I stop and I, I, um, I always have to kind of mull that over. Um, why is that interesting to me? Mm. Why has this caught my attention? Yeah. Yeah. And when you say observe, what do you mean? Do you mean you usually stop and take notes in your diary? Do you talk to yourself? Like how does those conversations take place? Um, it, uh, it's an intuition. And so when I say, when I say intuition, it's more kind of like, it's a sense, it's kind of like a, a, a knowing it's a mm. knowing, but it's also a feeling. Yeah. It's, it's a sensing feeling knowing mm-hmm. it's not intellectual. Yeah. It's not, not analytical. It's not intellectual. It's something, and I, I think that it's, it's easier to talk with women about this because I think men, and they, they, this is a generalization, but I think it's true. Men are much more in their heads and women mm-hmm. can sink down a little bit into their hearts. Yeah. And we, we, we are more willing to accept that when we have a feeling about something, that that feeling can actually communicate something objective to us. Yeah. So when I do have these senses, it is like an intuition. It's, it's like sometimes an immediate knowing, mm-hmm. or maybe it's, it's a little bit vague, but it feels different. It's not sort of a subjective feeling. It feels like there's something here that's trying to speak and communicate to me. And again, because of my, my orientation with religion, with spirituality, where I do believe in this wider world wisdom that is always speaking to me, it's mm-hmm. the wave, right? Yeah. And the, the wave that's talking with me that I will stop and I'll pay attention. And, I'll, and um, if, if something, like for instance, when I, when I met you, like I would say, when I met you, there was something very special about our interaction. And wow, I didn't was, know that. <laughs> yes, you know, there was something very special about our interaction. And I had that sense. And again, you, you can't articulate these things. Like, it's yeah. not like I could verbalize it. Like, oh, Charlene is very, very a, a dynamic person because dot, dot, dot. No, it's just an intuition I had upon meeting you that, are, that it was something was special here. And so lo and behold, a few weeks later, when Donut popped up and said, hey, you've been matched with Charlene. First of all, I was like, okay, so that's, I paid attention to that. Number one, you signed up for my office hours. You came into my life. 
We had an interaction. I felt that it was different. I felt that it was special. And then three weeks later, you could have walked out of my life, but three weeks later, Donut had you come up and pair us. Yes. And at that point, I was like, okay, something, and again, I'm not articulating on the level of, of intellect, but I'm like, there's something here. And so for me, rather than hop on another Zoom call with you, I was like, you know what? I think Charlene would be the sort of person that would want to do an experiment with me. Yeah. And so I, I, I proposed the clubhouse. Yeah, and that's my first clubhouse. <laughs> Your first clubhouse. And now here we are, the podcast that's grown out of that. So you can see that there's like this, this beautiful, it's like a tree that just like forks and branches off beautifully. And it started with a feeling. Yeah. It started with something coming to me from the world and going, hmm. Something keeps putting me and Charlene together. And yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explore this. I'm going to explore this good sense that I have of her. And so much of that is about trusting that voice, right? Because I feel like many people, maybe they hear it deep in their heart, in their subconscious, but then they reject it. Like exactly. they were like, what, what is that? That's a weird voice. But, but yes. no, like you, you listen to that, you trust it, and then you take the action to make yes. it happen. Yes. Yeah. Such wow. a good point. Yeah. And, and, and you're serving an, an analogy. I think when you say the goals, you say you're a pretty goal-oriented person. That's like the alertness, right? You pay attention to the present, like you work to, towards the goal. And then the faith is the surrender part, which is like the, like the other balance that mm -hmm. you don't exactly know uh, what is there for you, but you trust that it will come. And then exactly. marrying the both the, them is how you live your life and how you live your good life. Exactly right. I mean, that's, that's such a great way to put it. Like for now, if, if for now I can say that my, my goal, I started community building on Twitter last December. So it was very recent. Yeah. If, if my goal, like this is me being awake and alive in the present, my goal, if I, if I could have my druthers, I would be writing full time. I would be devoting my life to this, you know, bringing together science and religion, building my community, but I don't have that right mm -hmm. now. I'm, you know, the will of the wave is that I'm focused on paying the bills. I'm focused on doing my day vocation. I rarely at night, by the time I'm done working, I rarely have time to go on Twitter. I rarely have time to write, as I was telling you before we began recording. And sometimes that feels frustrating. Mm -hmm. But when I remember that this is just how it is right now, this is just, I have to surrender to this because if I'm constantly doing this, that's, it's not fruitful. It's, yeah. it's not a good way to live. Like, oh, I'm, I, I'm so constricted. I'm so limited. No, it, when I, I'm in my best place when I can just surrender and say, okay, you know what, this is, this is my life right now. But the, the advantage is that I actually have income. I have revenue coming in. So I'm not in a place where I'm creating and needing to monetize that creation, which mm -hmm. I feel is also sort of a distortion, a mm -hmm. possible distortion of the creative impulse. Yeah. So, I think that's important what you said is that we, we, we hold on to these, these wishes and these desires that we cherish and sometimes we just don't get them or we don't, it doesn't happen yet. And we just, we're patient. We just go with it. We flow with it. And lo and behold, I mean, there's so many times, Charlene, I don't know about you, but something horrible has happened in my life and it just feels so bad. But like years from now, I look back on that and I go, you know what? That was actually a good thing that happened. Yeah. You know, you break up with someone, the world is over. Oh my God, my heart is broken. But then years from now, you're like, thank God I broke up with that person because I met the love of my life. Right? <laughs> Everything it's has a purpose. Everything has a meaning. And it's really comes down to the story, the narrative you, you tell yourself, right? How do you want to make sense of that? It can be a blessing. It can be a horrible thing, but yeah, you tell the story. You're the master of your life. Yes. Yes, exactly. And tell us more about your creative process. You, you kind of alluded to that earlier, but tell us more, either it's in the writing, in the community you're building, tell us more about that. 
Um, I, right now, my creative process, it looks like uh, building in public. So, mm-hmm. and the reason why that is because I, I am choosing to work with writing as, as my for, as my medium right now, but you're such a I, good I'm, writer. I, oh. I can't believe that you haven't been doing that for, for long. You're <laughs> such a good writer and, and excellent editor. Like, really. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, you know, I, I write, I write so much in, in my day vocation work uh, for the law, mm-hmm. but I, I don't do the writing that I sort of, I really, really want to do. I, I, so in, instead of putting myself in a situation where I feel a lot of, everyone has a, a newsletter now where they're forced to write at a very regular pace, yeah. the sort of thing that I'm writing about, it's, it's impossible. Like it really is like, I, what do you I, write about? Um, I write about religion and science. So I write about um, how we can bring about a modern unity of religion and science. Mm-hmm. And so this is the sort of thing that I have been thinking about for, for years. And you, it's my fear is that I speak too soon because mm. especially when you're having these experiences, um, you're having these spiritual experiences, you're having these experiences when you, when you meditate and you're, you're experiencing changes in consciousness and awareness the, it's very difficult to describe this in human language because mm-hmm. human language isn't really, isn't really created to describe these sorts of aphysical spiritual experiences. Yeah. And so I've been waiting for a long time to feel like I was stable and balanced and grounded enough in these experiences. And quite frankly, I'm just, I also know that I'm largely ignorant, even though I have been pursuing this topic for so many years, I feel like I've just scratched the surface. I feel like mm. I just, it's the tip of the iceberg. Mm. So, but I do want to write and I feel that there is a power in continually writing. So how do I, co- how do I bring this, these two in a compromise? Yeah. I take the build in public approach. So mm-hmm. what I'm doing right now is I'm putting up my website, putting up two websites actually. Mm-hmm. And I want to document this process of how do we do this? Mm-hmm. How do we do this in a way where I'm, I'm very much addressing what people's curiosities are like what how did you build your website and how do you go about doing seo research and how do you find the keyword terms to build organic search but i also want to acknowledge my special point of view which is that i'm not really interested in in building up tons of followers that's not mm-hmm. that's not my goal mm-hmm. and i feel like uh, the the quality of the connection one on one is what really i mean we live in an exponential world yeah so i feel like i only need to have a connection with a handful of people and so many amazing things can come of that. Like, look, look, look at what you and I are doing. Yeah, that's exactly my view. Like I never, social media or like big following is never my thing. I care about every single individual, the experiences we have together. And that's really what I I see success or what I see fulfillment as in, in life. Yes, definitely. Definitely. Absolutely agree with that. So that, that is my, uh, that's my approach right now. And I'm right now, my biggest challenge is I would say organizing all of the thoughts I have, which are kind mm-hmm. of loosely held together in notebooks and, and Evernote and Rome. Yeah. Um, and this is kind of my challenge after a long day of work. Um, how can I find the time to begin to bring structure into this creative process? Because like, again, the creative process is this polarity where you have to have structure, yeah. but you also have to have a very good amount of formlessness, I, yeah. of where, chaos. You, yeah. you do have to have that. And if you, it, it's, again, it's, it's, the, it's the analogy of the surfer. You have to dance between these two polarities because if you have too much structure, you're not being creative. Mm-hmm. And if you have too much chaos, you, it's, life is a mess. You're not going to be able to produce anything. So I'm very envious of these people who are truly creative that are 
systematically producing work. Like this mm. is, that's the person that I want to, I'm, I'm like, that's my goal long-term. Um, who inspires you? Like um, who, who embodies that? I would say um, someone that I'm super, super keen on right now. His name is Richard Powers. He's a mm-hmm. novelist mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's like 65 years old mm-hmm. and he literally writes a novel once a year. And these are novels that win Pulitzer Prizes. Yeah, these are Richard Powers. Yeah, Richard Powers. It, he blows me away that he is able to write, you know, that quality. Like Stephen King, like Stephen King yeah. blows my, blows yeah, my yeah. hair back. But he's not writing Pulitzer Prize, like he's not writing the sort of, I mean, reading Richard Powers books, it really just like transforms the way mm. I see the world. And the fact that he's able to do that book after Consistently. book, <laughs> yeah. like, oh my God, and he's 65, right? So this is my ideal, Charlene, like I never want to retire. I yeah. think the, the common idea of retirement is so boring. Like mm. I never want to be sitting on a couch you know, just watching TV. Like I want to be working. I want to be active. I want to be creative until my last breath. Yeah. And so the idea of like him writing well into his seventies, like that, I want to do that. I never want to stop. Yeah. And so much of the way you live, the way you write is, it's all about the serving, right? One is the chaos, chaos and the structure, the life and the surrender, the goal and the faith, you know, like it's all about, yeah. The science and religion, you know, like, yes. yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, you found it. You found it. It's a polarity. Yeah, that's right. Wow. It's polarity. And, and where does the community sit in this creation process? Um, you know, we, we talked about it. We, we, we hit upon it before and your eyes lit up because I think we have the same philosophy is that we, we I am looking for a community, but I, I'm not focused on the size of it. Right. I, I really feel that there's already the community already exists out there. Yeah. I feel that it's latent, you know? So when I, when I do this, you asked about my creative process earlier. And uh, one thing that I can say about that now is that I always think, I always think about questions that already exist. Mm. I think that there's a big, big difference when people come together and they have a question versus when people come together and they have a position that they're already married to. You know, like that conversation is either going to be very traumatic, very stressful, or very boring. The conversations that you walk away from and you feel transformed by, even if you never see that person again, is when a question brings you together. Yeah. Because I feel like a question dissolves our rigidity. Yeah. Our, in, in, in our consciousness, in our, in our experience of consciousness, you know, like when we have the gesture of a statement, a, de- a declarative statement is very different than the gesture of a question where right. it's like literally the question softens us. The question dissolves our boundaries. And they so whenever us, I- Yeah, they put us in a state of wonder, right? Yes. And that, and that yes. state of wonder is what is so, so, so wonderful really because that brings the best of everyone together. Yes, yes, I love it. It's, it's a state of wonder, exactly. And so w- whenever I think, whenever I put on my creator hat, yeah. I always think first, what is the question that is living in other people's hearts? I don't, mm. I, 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 don't, I don't think about what do I, Caroline, have to say. Mm. I think about what is the question that is living in other people's hearts. And then I, I already, that's why I say in that sense, my community already exists. Mm-hmm. Before I began the community building, before I began working on Twitter, I did a lot of research. I, I looked at... Um, I looked at the searches that were being done on Google. I looked at certain Google trends. 
I looked at New York Times editorials and opinion columns. I looked at what people were talking about on Reddit and I'm looking for the question. And everywhere I see that people are asking a question that to them, it may be formulated differently, but to me, I translate it as how can I find meaning? How can I be connected to a meaning that fulfills and gives me a human humane existence in a world that is defined by a sort of a sort of very materialistic scientific worldview. And I don't say that to put down science because again, it's a polarity. Yeah. I have nothing but the utmost respect for science. And I think that that's the strength of the West. Mm-hmm. But the, the increasing sort of abstraction and separation from nature that science has brought out in, in the human being is increasingly kind of dissolving the bounds that we had that used to hold meaning together for us. It used to be the nuclear family. It used to be religion. It used to be the three major news networks that gave us a story that we could all identify with. And slowly all of these these, these sort of binding is disintegrating. And I feel that that's very important because then that makes the individual free. It frees us from the matrix of the family, from the Mm. tribe, from the religion. But then what we have to do is in our freedom, we have to then strive to find the meaning that binds us together as a community at the same time that we are free individuals. Mm. And so I feel that we have to now go through the stage of scientific achievement, not leave it behind, but go through it to get through on the other side, to become, to reach once again, the numinous, the divine, that which gives order and harmony and meaning to our lives. Is the polarity the freedom and the meaning? Or what is the what is that in this question you, you just posed? Um, the polarity is between um, freedom is between freedom and uh, community, freedom and accountability. Um, yeah. is between <clears throat> yeah, I would say. I mean, I, I think that there's different different possibilities for the for the polarity there, but I would say definitely the individual, community, freedom, responsibility. Mm. Freedom, responsibility. I really love that freedom and responsibility. That that just sounds delicious. You know, like yeah, <laughs> really. Wow, wow. And I want to also let you know, listeners, anyone who is tuning in right now. Uh, learn more about how they can connect with you, like what you're, how could, yeah, how could people connect with you to learn more about what you're working on? Uh, well, I'd love for them to, um, and I think the best way right now is to go through Twitter, and my handle is uh, Space Exponential, space so it's X. actually, yeah, it's kind of a play on uh, SpaceX, so it's uh. Uh, Space Exponential, uh, S-P-A-C-E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T-I-A-L, and the reason why it's a play on SpaceX is because I, I'm very, um, on the one hand, I'm very respectful of Elon Musk's uh, courage and initiative in being, uh, you know, we need to explore other worlds. We need to leave this planet. And on the other hand, I think that he's going about it the wrong way. I think mm-hmm. once again, we're, we're going, we're, we're, we have a too much of a materialistic image of what this means, yeah. because I do think that the desire to escape the merely earthly is very important. And it's a question, again, going back to the questions that live in people's hearts. I do believe that it is a question that legitimately lives in many people's hearts. How can I escape the merely earthly? I think that going to Mars is a very literal 
translation of that urge. Mm-hmm. I, I, the reason why I took on the, the Twitter handle of Space Exponential is that we live in, we have the capacity to transcend the merely earthly yeah. um, through sort of explorations. And what I, what I like to, um, to adopt, Sam Harris is the first person I believe who said that, mm-hmm. or I encountered it in this way. He said, it's time for us to develop a first person empirical science of consciousness. So he is first person empirical science of consciousness. So the reason why he says first person is he's, and he's a neuroscientist. He's saying first person to to draw a contrast with what um, neuroscience can show us because neuroscience can show us certain things like uh, fMRI, brain maps, but that is the external side of consciousness. It, 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 the, the extra, you can't look at an fMRI brain map and tell what Charlene is thinking about right now. Oh, Charlene has a memory of it. No, you can only see, oh, this area of the brain is lighting up. This area yeah. of the brain is lighting up, which means that there's more blood flowing to it. But beyond that, you cannot read a person's thoughts. Mm. So the inner side of consciousness, when he says first person, he means that only you can know your experience moment by moment within consciousness. But that doesn't mean that it cannot be an objective observation. Mm. And so I'm very drawn to this as a way to escape the merely earthly is to kind of develop this, uh, this frontier of consciousness. I believe that's the final frontier and not so much space. So th- wow. that's a very long-winded way of saying, I would be very happy if, if people would contact me at Space Exponential, um, would be love to be connected with people. Twitter at the end, right? Mm-hmm. I, I always wanted to ask what your handle mean because I saw that on Clubhouse. I saw that on Twitter. I was like, "What does space?" That's what it means. Yeah, it means you know we're we're already we're already have access to us to a space of exponential reality where things that we do have completely unpredictable, outsized impacts, yeah. and that that to me is in in the in the mind in the mind in the realm of consciousness. That's that's so beautifully put. And <laughs> is there any question you'd like to leave the audience with? Um, you know, I, I think I think it would have to be something like the question that has inspired your work. Mm. Um, what what is there is what is there in my what is there? Have I taken on a narrative? Have I taken on an expectation or goal in my life that doesn't really belong to me? Hmm. I think that I, I would love, in honor of you, Charlene, I would love to kind of put out that question to anyone who's listening. Yeah, yeah, that's literally the reason why I wrote the book, to break away from the expectation and really hang on to who we are, like wake up the giant within you, right? Like you're no longer asleep. And it's yeah. embracing our identities, it's feeling alive, but also knowing that uh, there is so much people out there that will resonate and, and taking that leap of faith sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is wonderful. Thank you so much, Caroline. I'm so honored to have this conversation with you. No, the honor is also mine. Thank you so much. And I'm, I'm, so, I'm so touched to be the first and I, I can't wait to see where your journey takes you. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs>